Welcome to That Creative Life. Hi, my name is Sarah Dietschy and I am your host. I talk with artists, YouTubers, CEOs, and everyone in between. I hope this podcast helps you live your best creative life. Enjoy. So, Gerald, welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you for being me. here and putting your best foot forward. This is very impressive. I always want to buy things after you make videos because the typical videos I make, laptops, cameras, I'm like, sometimes, most of the time, I'm not going to buy them and use them personally, but I'm like, other people, yeah, you know, they probably want to know about it. You have hit a, a flow in the past few weeks where literally every video you make, I need that. <laughs> for the, the mini nano leaf, the BenQ monitor, because my, my monitor situation is a mess. I'm always focusing things on really tiny screens. I'm yeah. like, I need a huge monitor to monitor <laughs> what I'm filming. Just one after the other, man. So, so give the, the audience some context of what you do if they don't know you already. Yeah, I guess uh, it's funny because we had a conversation about that, right? Of like, what is that I do? Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess... I, I, the easiest way to describe it, I guess, the, the, what you said is what a lot of people say is that I, I just go deeper on the topics, but the same topics that you'd see on YouTube. But I mean, in the camera world, but not just cameras. I, I say creative technology. That's like my thing of like tech that goes into making stuff, you know, so it could be audio, lighting, cameras, lenses, whatever, computers, that kind of stuff. And you dive deep, right? Yeah. I feel like sometimes... I, I even, I get two in the weeds and then I have to reel it back. But then I watch one of your videos and I'm like, Hey, if he's doing it, I'm fine. I can get yeah. a little bit in the weeds. I listen there's to people out there. <laughs> yeah, there's people out there. <laughs> I listened to, um, your podcast with Tyler and yeah. you guys got so into it. I was like, okay, let's, I want to get into the nitty gritty. Cause I didn't even know this. Do you use an XPS? I do, yeah. That's a, yeah. A D the Dell XPS, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, for yeah. some reason, I thought you were a Mac guy. So I was like, oh, this could be an intriguing thing to talk about because there's so many things I love about that computer, and there's a few quirky things that I really can't explain. So which version do you have? I so I'm I'm gonna play my like I'm kind of lame here card because I I don't know the the model numbers that well, but generation wise. Yeah. I think there's my stomach just made a really weird sound. <laughs> <laughs> and the mic probably picked it up. That's the con of using a good mic. <laughs> I didn't notice it, but we're definitely gonna clip that up. Okay. <laughs> um so I did they just come out with a brand brand new generation? And if Yes. So then I guess I'm two two ago. Okay, so we have I the same say, one. Okay. Yeah, so that would be the ninety five seventy. Yes. Yeah. Um and do you have issues with your display no but you know what every time i stream with it because i use it as like my live streaming thing there's yeah. one or two people that say like you should make a video i see you got the xps you should make a video on the and then there's like two or three different things about displays whether it's like the i think the software that goes with it to like calibrate it or whatever mm -hmm. some people have issues and then there's another type of hardware issue i haven't had yeah. any of those issues so i don't know what they are i never looked into them interesting so something in for the most part, Dell and a lot of Windows laptops, I think have figured out the weird display thing. But even on the Book 3, I'm on the Surface Book 3 right now, it'll randomly, even if you have it unchecked where it automatically changes the brightness, you know how you can have that checked off or whatever? Right. Um, even if I don't have that setting on, it will randomly change brightness and refuse to get a certain brightness. Like it'll detect, oh, I'm in a dark room. You don't need the screen that bright, but it'll mess up the color because as, as it gets brighter, it gets more saturated. Right. So it's just for some reason, I've had bad lucks with displays. And the only ones that I haven't is the Asus and Book Pro Duo. Um, I'm hoping the new Dell is fine because my Dell XPS 13 two-in-one is great. I've never had issues on that. That display is amazing. So maybe it's something that they've had to grow out of. I don't know. So I was curious. So you've had no problems. Have you been but a I, PC guy your like yeah, entire life? Yes. Uh, okay. The only Apple products I think I've had outside of, I think I had like an Apple II a long time ago. But um, <laughs> An Apple uh, II? How old are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, old, I'm older. There's I'm no in my way 30s. you had an Apple II. <laughs> I, I had every like computer iteration that came out from like, Vic 20, Commodore 64, wow. like as, as these things were like, I was like really into computers when I was like a toddler. So Interesting. I, I, cool. yeah, like I, was, I, I played my first games on a cassette tape that I loaded into like my Vic 20 and it was like Frogger and stuff. Like, yeah, wow. like, but um, outside of that, and then an iPhone, I had like iPhone 3GS and 5, 
I think those are the only Apple products. Uh, iPods. Those are the only oh, so Apple products I've ever owned. You're an Android user as well. Yeah. Uh, although this would probably <laughs> make you laugh. Um, I only recently started having a phone for NAB 2019. That was the first phone I had since whenever the iPhone 5 came out. Wait, what so do you mean? Ago. Like I just didn't have a phone. I just didn't have a phone at all during that time. So I had an iPhone 5, got it like when it came out, like, you know, first day, used it for, you know, a year or whatever. And then once, it, then at some point, I don't, I don't remember why or how, but at some point I just stopped. I was like, that's it for phones. And then I just, <laughs> I just didn't have a phone. Hold on. So you're not saying you didn't upgrade. You're literally saying you didn't use a phone in that time period. Right. Yeah. I think I kept the iPhone 5 just like sitting around as like a music player or something that I used occasionally for like Bluetooth playing music. But I it, I didn't have a phone number, a phone plan, nothing. I have <laughs> what? I have so many questions. How do you talk to people? How do you social media? How did you email? I'm on like a computer. <laughs> like I did everything on the computer. Wow. There was a thing, like, because there were still some people that texted me, and my cell phone provider for a while had this thing. It was called, like, <laughs> Rogers on home, at home or whatever, and you could, like, load your texts in a browser. And I think I used that for a little while to transition. So how do you, like, call a family member? Yeah, I don't do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Honestly, it worked for me. It wouldn't work for a lot of people, but it worked for me. I was like, you know, I got there because I was like, I don't use this for anything other than, I don't know, playing chess and going on like wow. Twitter or whatever. So I was like, who needs that? I was like, I'm stopped. I'm not carrying it. I just didn't want to carry it around anymore and feel like I had it with me all the time. So I stopped. And the few people that texted me on the regular, I said, look, if you need to get hold of me, contact me these other ways. And eventually people transitioned. But then. The girl doesn't have friends. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All my friends are online, and it was, and like I prefer typing on the keyboard. But as you know, trying to run a YouTube channel and a social media presence, especially Instagram, mm -hmm. without a phone, became impossible. So there wow, was a time a, where I was like, okay, I, I got to get a phone again. So I did, and what? it was an Android when I got it. That is fascinating. So while all these people over here debate Mac or PC or <laughs> iPhone versus Android, you're over here just like. Bro, I just need like something to type on and like make stuff. <laughs> I could <Exactly>. care less. <laughs> but I am into like PC, like enthusiast builds and stuff like that. Yeah. I do like my computer, you know. What, so what desktop do you have? Uh, it's a, all my computers are custom built. I don't like, I don't mean to be like, oh, my computers are custom built, but it's not like, it's not <laughs> like you, a like, Dell or whatever, you know. Right. I right. do. Yeah. Big hobby. So what, what's your setup? I'm curious. So I'm actually in the middle of a new build, but the one that I've been working on for the last, I guess, like two years, it's uh, an Intel i7-8700K overclocked to almost five gigahertz and an NVIDIA GTX 1080. And I built that in 2018 as like my editing rig. And uh, it's been fine. It's been doing okay. But I've been monkeying around some stuff lately that's been making it chug just a little bit. And I wanted to cover some of the new AMD stuff. So I'm doing a new build on that. And I think I might actually do it on the channel because I don't usually cover computer yeah. stuff that much on the channel. So Well, I kind of want to talk about that because so my main gear setup is actually pretty similar. It's the i9 1080 uh, Ti, you know, SSD, I think 64 gigs of RAM. So um, it definitely still hold, holds up today. But recently I tried to do a video and I'm still trying to do a video on it, but it's a computer with the new Threadripper that's like, you know, 32 right. core, super crazy, <laughs> but it has AMD GPUs. I, I usually like am all about NVIDIA life. Um, so I've been testing those out for the first time. And it's interesting. I'm not getting, you know, 32 cores. You're so excited. I feel like I'm not getting as much as I would have thought out of it and maybe it's you know premiere is an optimizer or whatever but we had this update come out and i, I want to talk about the new premiere update because it sounds like this is now exclusive to windows correct so it's amd and nvidia gpus for windows right we have some new acceleration right and what's going on with those because people are confused they see amd and they're like is my macbook going to get faster and i have to remind them guys Watch my last MacBook Pro 16 video, and the MacBook Pro actually smoked my Asus ZenBook Duo with an i9 and a 2060 in it. So MacBook is fine. Like we need the help with our. Was that NVIDIA for Premiere? Was that Final Cut? Oh, it was Premiere. Well, yeah, I think like 
so two things to that. One is I'm not in love with AMD GPUs for video editing, even though they're both accepted in the new update. And I think that's just because people have built software on the CUDA core aspect yeah. of NVIDIA. So it's that's, like... That's what I'm discovering. I'm like, dude, the CUDA, the CUDA render. Yeah, you got to get that CUDA, right? Got to get so that CUDA. So do, they do have AMD stuff. And even the new Premiere update that allows GPU acceleration, it has AMD as an option. But the the people that are pushing this is NVIDIA, right? Because it's like, that's mm-hmm. that's that's where the development goes in. So I do think that you can... AMD has the best value processors right now for building a, a new editing rig. But for graphics, I think you should put an NVIDIA graphics card in your AMD machine. I think it's because, you know? yeah, I reached out to a company. I was like, listen, I need, I need to do a video on the new 32-core processor. And that's all I said. I was just like, stick it in a sick PC and send it to me. Yeah. So, of course, they owe all AMD, right? And sure. I had, yeah, it was just kind of disappointing. It was weird. It, I think, I don't know, it, it depends on the graphics more than I thought, because especially once you start putting on color grade, you start adding effects, that stuff adds up, and that, that CUDA rendering actually makes a big difference. Especially with Premiere, which, I mean, I don't have any like numbers to give you, but based on personal experience and the experience of other people that I trust, it does just feel like NVIDIA's CUDA optimization for Premiere is definitely more favored over whatever AMD's metal or whatever it's called that they do on their end, right? 100%. But the new update, to answer the question, all it is basically, because some people in my video were confused saying, well, I already had GPU rendering, and that was for Intel's QuickSync, which was it came out like a couple years ago or whatever. I made a whole video about it, and it just yeah. confused people. <laughs> well, because, yeah, but it was like you can use the iGPU in your CPU to speed up your your renders, right? Um, so people might have already had hardware as a drop down all along, because that's all it says is hardware encoding. And they're like, I already have hardware encoding. But now what they're doing is they're using your dedicated GPU, your, you know, thousand dollar big card that you <laughs> the plugged one, in. The one that you want to be yeah. using. <laughs> now you can use that. <laughs> that's the yeah. that's the new update. Yeah. And it does make a difference. And the quality is good too because I never liked the quick sync thing. Like people were talking about it's much faster, but I was getting glitches and I didn't like the, and I thought it was a bit softer and stuff where NVIDIA has been doing this thing with NVENC, which is like the best like GPU encoding that you can, like people are live streaming with it. And they used to complain years ago, oh yeah, it's more efficient, but it's softer or like not as detailed or not as good color. But these days with the latest GPU card with the latest NVIDIA GPUs, it's just as good, if not better and more efficient and, you know, faster and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome. It's awesome yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'm always getting those questions since I make a lot of videos about um, computers and stuff. It's always, Sarah, MacBook Pro 16 or this. MacBook Pro right. or this. Um, and it doesn't even matter if they even don't travel a lot and they could probably swing for a desktop. For some reason, people are still like MacBook Pro, MacBook Pro, MacBook Pro. And so a lot of times I feel like the answer, especially if you want affordability and maybe even if you have a display already is like, you can get some really good value from a custom built PC and you can get exactly what you want. So what would you recommend people who, hey, maybe they want to game a little bit. They want to edit videos. They want something pretty speedy and they don't want to spend maybe over $2,000. What rig would you recommend for them? Yeah, so I do think that the AMD processes are the way to go for bang for the buck right now. Intel is making some moves, but uh, and they're still the best for game. Like, if you're a hardcore gamer and every frame counts, Intel does still seem to win in the ultimate, like, gaming benchmarks, but it's really close with AMD, and AMD's cheaper, and they're better for productivity for the last, I don't know, year and a half now because of how many cores they've been cramming into all their stuff. And you don't even need to go all the way to Threadripper like you were talking about. There is, like, diminishing returns, right? Like, once yeah, you get up oh, above, sure. like, 10, 12 cores, it starts to become... You're just building a monster to say you have it, right? Um, but uh, I would say probably in around the 3900X, which is a little bit... Which is significantly cheaper than the 3950X, mm-hmm. but 95% is fast. I think that's, that's probably the ticket for the processor. And then the graphics... I mean, graphics cards aren't cheap. That's the pr- but I would say like if you can afford the 2080 Ti from Nvidia, that's a good one. Yeah. There's also supposed to be some new ones coming out that are like cheaper with lots of RAM and stuff. But right now, probably something in the like Nvidia 2080, 2070 Super, and if you have more cash, 2080 Ti. That's what I would look for my combo. And I think you could probably do that 
once you put RAM and stuff in it, that'd probably cost you about two grand, yeah. I would say, that combo. And then, like, I've, I think one of, like, 30, actually, this has 32 gigs of RAM, which has been more than enough for me. Um, and then my iMac at home has 64. Just because with the iMac, I wanted to throw everything at it just because I kind of trusted it less. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, in those graphics cards, I know it's really expensive when you're looking at it, like, the 1080 Ti, you know, two years ago was the card and it's super expensive or even more. I don't know when that came out, but that guy has been holding up so well for me. I mean, it's longevity you're going for. It's like you building something that'll last you five years. And if you want to change out things every now and then you can, but that I think that's what you're getting. And if you don't travel a lot, it's really a good bang for your buck. I think people struggle with the Windows thing, but you've always been a Windows guy. So you've never experienced the, oh, I love Mac too much. I love iMessage because you don't have anyone to message. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah, I don't have other devices that I need to like, oh, it seamlessly Sync. goes from the bedroom to the whatever. It's like <laughs> I use my computer in the computer room. That's and so I don't need anything to go anywhere else, you know, and my whole place is all like servered up. So if I go right. to the bedroom, it just transmits okay. like over Plex we'll talk or whatever. About you that. Know? What what server do you have running? Do you have like a NAS, a Synology thing, or what do you yeah, what do you got going? That needs to desperately be upgraded. That's another video I'm working on probably okay. this month. Is my I have the jankiest storage that okay? I don't even want to tell you about. It. It's just like picture <laughs> I, something weird we and dusty and, we and small. We need to hear the before. <laughs> the before is I think it's a D Link like D320, which doesn't even work on like SMB with latest updates because of security issues. So like operating systems won't even accept it. So you have to install like custom firmware just to make oh it work. It's, God. yeah, it's, it's janky. All it does really is like the videos that are like finished and, and are good, not footage, but like done, you know, like exported videos. I throw, I back those up to that. And like my precious photos and stuff, they're just backed up on that. That's like the in-between stage before it goes to the cloud. But it makes so much noise. I have to, un you're not supposed to do this, but I unplug it every time I shoot a video too because it's so loud. It's got like this little like 20 millimeter fan that just sounds like a lawnmower. It's junk. So I'm working on upgrading that to like an actual like transcode kind of like, it's going to be like my video editing server. Oh, so you're, so you're going to edit you know? off of it? Yes, exactly. And more nice. than one computer so that, you know, we can increase productivity without like Passing yeah. around our dongles and everything, you yeah, know, so digital. Exactly. Do you have, does your PC have a 10 gig Ethernet? It doesn't. I was going to put a card in there, but I think because I'm going to go with QNAP for the NAS, so I'm just going to use like either USB 3.2 Gen 2 or Thunderbolt or something like that. Gotcha. And uh, like it'll be, it'll, I'll, I don't know what. I don't know how many you know megabits per second I'm going to get comparatively, but if mm -hmm. it'll be enough to video edit, like it'll be yeah. hundreds and that'll be fine. So right, man, I'm so I get so annoyed by that stuff that I won't even edit off of hard drives anymore. I'm just like desktop or bust, man. I'm yeah. Like, oh, like having I need I need the yeah two thousand yeah. megabytes per second internal SSD speeds. Maybe it's <laughs> Premiere. I don't know, but it's just like it does so much better when it's on your desktop when it's on that internal SSD because I, I have like a Synology NAS which has been yeah. super helpful it's like one of the latest disk stations and then at home I have the LaCie 6 big um, which that one's good because it's Thunderbolt 3 so I'm getting speeds upwards of a thousand megabytes per second anyways so that's the only one that I'll like actively edit off of if I have to um, but yeah Thunderbolt 3 eh? and the the drives that I'm putting, I'm not putting hard drives into them. I'm putting all like two terabyte SSDs into them. Oh, uh, oh so, so maybe that will be. It's going to be small. It's not going to be like 100 terabytes. Like people, It's going to be like 10 terabytes, but right. rated uh, SSDs. So like the random and 4Ks and stuff should all be really snappy, I'm hoping. Interesting, As yeah. Because I've been editing currently off of SSDs attached via like you know usb 5 gig like dangling off my computer so i thought if that's working smooth then a 10 gig usb box hold on so that works for you on the black with black magic footage yeah when i when i actually like when i finish this recording i'm gonna just pull the ssd out of the black magic mm -hmm. and then i have a usb c just cord next to my computer i just stick it in there i just edit right off the drive every time Interesting. But now and what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be moving the file. So there will be like that 
right. lost time in front. I'm going to be throwing that on this hypothetical but mass that I'm building. But at least it's going to be backed up. Or not exactly. backed up, at least the raid. Yeah. yeah you have redundancy. Yeah. Because I don't have anything now. If for for whatever reason that drive died while I was yeah. had it plugged in the computer. Well, that's it. There's that exactly. footage. It's gone. So I need yeah. some redundancy as well. And I'm not going to have two things dangling out just to like have duplicate of everything. Right? <laughs> that's so what I like, love about the new... Um, uh, the Mac Pros with, you know, it's handy that they have those USB 3, I think they're Thunderbolt, um, connections up at the front. But whenever I see the the gorgeous, you know, Mac Pro uh, thing with <laughs> just, a, just a dangled <laughs> hard drive, I'm just like, that looks so stupid. <laughs> it's true. Uh, you know, what? Okay. So what tech is getting you excited right now? Uh, anything all the way anything. across the board? Um, I guess... I'm in, I think we're all in that kind of like, there's some, there's some cameras brewing, you know? There's some cameras brewing. <laughs> different Specifically brands, different... tomorrow. <laughs> oh, there is. Yeah. Right. There's a long, yeah, there's an announcement yeah. tomorrow, right? Um, so there's that, uh, there's some Canon stuff that's mm-hmm. like, you know, that have been mostly like semi announced, I suppose. Yeah. I don't For, love numbers like on forever. a piece of paper. No, yeah. me neither. And I think there's supposed to be another Sony announcement. Maybe they said June or something is another one. Maybe that's something too. Mm-hmm. Everybody's ta- everybody's been talking about the next Sony thing, right? There's been yeah. some new Cine cameras that I've been playing with that I like. There's another Canon one coming out, the C300 Mark III. It's a lot of oh, cameras. Nice. Yeah. I, I kind of um, want to have my next, like my next favorite camera. I, I'm yeah. ready for a new favorite camera. Have so you I want been? Something. Is the Black Magic? Has that been your guy? Yeah, I mean that's what I do. I do most video stuff on the Pocket. And then I have Sony stuff that I use. Like when I came and did your yep. uh, studio tour stuff, I brought all the Sony stuff. That's like my road gear. I don't like bringing the Blackmagic Pocket camera around. It's me a lot. I have, yeah, it's a lot. So I use Sony for anything, photo and travel stuff. But in yeah. here, Blackmagic mostly, yeah. But I want something, you know, like I want a new favorite thing just to, just to learn all the quirks of it. It's a fun experience right yeah. so once you get once you kind of like master a camera then you get bored yeah. i don't know i do like yeah no i feel that i i feel like for me it's i guess laptops have been my thing the past few years just because yeah. i find it so fascinating all the different things they're doing um but i think the first video i ever watched of yours was the black magic because i was hardcore the original black magic pocket cinema cameras which were so fun and frustrating at the same time um, and that was my first introduction to black magic. And I enjoyed the footage I got out of it because if I wasn't shooting that, I was shooting like with a Canon 70 D. So in right. comparison, that footage was crisp. It was fun to color grade. It was challenging, but it was fun to color grade once you got something you liked, but the, the small batteries of the original black magic, terrible, the, it would just automatically turn off sometimes, you know, without <laughs> knowing it was just, this is such a mess of a camera, the OG. So once the new ones, the 4K and the 6K came back around, I was like watching videos like crazy about them. Um, and I'm pretty sure you had like a ton of video. You either had a ton of videos on them or like one that popped off. And that's that's how I discovered your YouTube channel. And I don't even know how long you've been making videos. How did you get into YouTube? Uh, well, this this iteration of YouTube has been since like February 2018, I suppose. Okay. That's that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to make camera videos or like in this kind of thing. But the channel, Jalen on Channel, started in August 2016. And uh, it was mostly nonsense videos that I thought were funny. You know, like like classic YouTube videos of like just like really crappy sketch sketches and stuff like that or just like absurd comedy. That was what I was doing. But I was occasionally dropping in videos of like got a new camera to film my nonsense videos or here's a new light that I'm using. And those videos did really, really well and people really liked them. And my nonsense videos did terribly. So after a while I was like, you know what, maybe I should, okay, fine. I'll just make these these videos that people want. And then there was a huge difference in the graph of YouTube, if you will, when I started doing that. So I've just been doing that since then. Interesting, what were you doing at that time for work? Uh, Well, when I first started, like back in the 2016, 2017 thing, uh, Julie and I, my partner, we were doing a photography business. Um, it was like sports, sports, sports photography. And that's why I had like all the gear, I suppose, that I could talk about in my videos. It was kind of like, I guess that's probably why it worked out. Um, and then when I kind of like got bored, I guess, of the sports photography, so I started doing more like client video work. 
while the YouTube channel transitioned into the video stuff, and then eventually the YouTube channel like was doing enough that I could step away from the client work thing. So it's kind of like a phasal shifting thing throughout, but uh, a mix of that, I guess, yeah. essentially. What was it like coming into that scene when you did? Because I feel like that was, let's see, 2016. That was probably around the time when like Peter McKinnon was coming on the scene, Mango Street. You had this, you had this wave of people who were making videos about cameras in a, in a way that was, you know, somewhat new. Um, did you, did that like give you hope? You're like, oh, wait, there's, there's people who actually want to watch videos like this. Or did you watch YouTube videos religiously before? Did you kind of understand the landscape? What was it? What was your relationship with YouTube during that time? Yeah. I mean, I've been a big fan of YouTube for a really long time. I actually had a channel before that back in like, like 2007, I would oh, say. Oh, snap. What was that channel? We got to find that a, one. That that stuff doesn't exist. Although, you know what? <laughs> Comparatively, those videos are innocent compared to the ones I was making in 2016 and 17 that were just absurd. I, I actually would rather people found the like old 2007 ones. Wait, are these still up? Are your, are your... I don't... I didn't actively take them down, but okay. I have no idea how to log into that or do whatever. And I've tried to search for them and they don't show up. So I feel oh, like funny. they're not there anymore. But it was like acoustic guitar covers, essentially, okay. is what they were. Just like rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, that's what people did on YouTube, right? It was like they played <laughs> covers songs and stuff. Uh, that, music so. covers. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's so funny. Everyone has that. I feel like music is so connected to video stuff. Even Pete, he plays drums yeah. and no one knew that until he posted a clip. Like I've played electric guitar for almost, I mean, since sixth grade, almost my entire life, I feel like. Um, but music is so hard to make money off of, Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, did, were you in a band? Did you do the no, rock and roll thing? I always did it. Like I did some jam stuff, but like, it was always just for me. I, yeah. I, uh, I feel like I saw something recently where somebody made this like funny slapback on like I don't know if it was the office or whatever, and they're like, I play for my own entertainment or something. And I was like, that's that I can I can relate to that. Yeah. That's the only I do it because I like I like to de-stress and stuff. And people yeah. but every once in a while I'll post something when I have nothing to post. I'll be like, ah, oh, here's something I was working on. And so I'll just play like the piano or play the guitar. And people are like, that's great, you should do more of that. And I'm like, I'm not gonna that's not what my content's gonna become, you know. Or like live streams, people always like turn this into like a, a jam session or whatever. And I think yeah. that's fine when people do it, but I don't know. I just play for me. I enjoy it. You know? well, it's almost like it's helpful to have something creative that isn't directly linked to your job because then it becomes your job. I agree. But yeah. uh, it's true what you say, though, because every, with the studio tour series, I've had this running gag. I asked you about it because you have a guitar mm -hmm. in your. But I knew I knew that you played guitar because I do yeah. my homework. Um, so. But I, but everybody else that I went to before you and after you have also had guitars and nobody plays. So I also thought it was part of a YouTube thing of like, you have to have guitar art or whatever, like on your wall. And every single time I see it, I go, oh great, you play guitar? And they're like, no, I got that one from my uncle or whatever, you know, like whatever the story oh, is. Even is Pete so has a guitar yeah. in his new studio. And yeah. I asked him, and I don't think that it's that he doesn't, he can't play it. He's just not a guitar player. He's it's not his thing. He's not a guitar player, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so so just, I, even, I even brought that in. I was like, you also have a guitar on your wall, Pete. You're the that only one, though, Sarah. So funny. That I that actually, actually was like, yeah. I can play. Yeah. Man, I wish, again, every day I'm just like, man, if only I became a rock and roll star, man. <laughs> if only YouTube was my plan B, man. I wanted yeah. to tour with Paramore. <laughs> oh, that's right. I actually think I saw like some old social stuff of you, and, you and, and not even that old. I think you still kind of like oh, stand I, on Paramore, right? Totally, 100%. <laughs> I mean, one of my Creative Spaces TV episodes was a guy who was buddies with the band, um, but he played basically the like percussion and third guitar. I forgot what they called those people. Tambourine player. <laughs> Tambourine. The <laughs> cowbell. <laughs> Whatever that thing's called where you like run the wood thing. <laughs> but the music world is so small that he turned out to be like the other half of like all these other bands that I love. So I just love the music scene. It's That's so much fun. smaller than people realize. Um, but cameras, okay. We need to talk about yeah, cameras. We're, we're very <laughs> tangential on this on this so far. <laughs> you, um, so you were the, what I was supposed to answer that I don't think I did was uh, okay. I've been on YouTube or I've been a fan of YouTube for a long time, oh, starting yeah, yeah. back and then. I made different videos and stuff, and so you know I had my different channels that I watched, and 
you know as well as I do the landscape and the direction that YouTube's kind of changed over. So I was definitely there when like Casey Neistat was a thing, right? Yeah. And that was probably part of the camera movement maybe. Like he wasn't uh, like a tech guy, but he did focus in a lot on the camera gear. And so mm -hmm. that was a bit normalizing the idea that you can yeah. talk about cameras as like a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, being that I was doing my one-off videos at the same time that Peter was basically like forming a channel around that and he had such quick quick success, it was, I guess it did validate the idea that when I decided to transition, that it wasn't like I was venturing into some yeah. impossibly dark alley. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. potentially a big audience so that you know that you're not carving out the smallest niche ever, that right. instead there's a sizable audience there, right? So. Oh, totally. The the black magic, what do you love about it? What do you hate about it? Because uh, okay. I, I still have the biggest love-hate relationship with these things. I think it's the best image you can get for the price mm -hmm. easily, you know, and uh, and some usability. Fa it's funny because the usability thing is where I'm split on. When you use other cameras that don't have a giant touch screen and have everything laid out in an intuitive way that you can just be like, I want these yeah. settings, you yeah. know, like, and, and then you go, you what a literally... I, I love being able to punch in and then using the touchscreen to move around. Yeah, yeah so you nice. like look at zoom in and yeah, so that's so good. But then at the same time, you know, if you try to actually take the camera somewhere and use it, <laughs> then those Canon 70D batteries, the ones for your 70D or whatever, I think that's the same ones, right? The LPE6, mm -hmm. they get you like three and a half minutes or whatever exactly. of runtime. Well, <laughs> yeah, if terrible. you start if you start to do the thing that you actually do with cameras, record on them. Yeah, that's when it becomes a freaking problem. <laughs> but if you're like locked down, like I am, like where you, like I like to have everything fixed and doesn't move or whatever, then you can turn the black magic into this great little monster that is way cheaper to... I mean, you got to pay, put some money into the accessories for sure. I have way too many things attached to mine. Like, it's absurd. But uh, but then it becomes, you know, what it is. A cinema camera becomes like a really affordable cinema camera with a great image. Not the best image, but for 1200 bucks or whatever it is, that's the that's the best image you can get for 1200 bucks, in my opinion, you know? So oh, that's what I love about it. Yeah, I literally only use them. The only reason why I bought them is for, like, locked-off interviews that I do for some of the, like, more corporate vibey stuff where I have film help, they can set it, forget it, and it's just a good image with really good dynamic range. So if there's some windows behind me and, and we have a little bit of light on the subjects, I know we're gonna be fine, right? So it's like not having to worry about some of those things because I was shooting interviews with like, you know, a GH5, a Sony A7S, and like a Sony, All like the, the Sony time. A7 III. Yeah, 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 like for three angles. Yeah, And it was just like, I couldn't color grade any of it to look like each other. It just looked terrible. And so basically now what I do is I have the Blackmagic 4K and 6K and one of them is recording in the high res and I have two of them and I just have the wide angle cropped in. Like the wide angle basically looks good if I crop in on me and then I have a de dedicated shot for the guest and I can do what I need with only two of them. Because you know, you, 6K, get, you get all that you resolution. Use that as your the 6K is your yeah. like punch-in camera, and then yeah. the 4K is the, your yep. angle on the guest. Yeah, that works fine. Yeah. That, and, that, and there's more. There's tons of value in that too, because that mm -hmm. combo will cost you way less than a three-angle setup for totally. something that might not even get you the same image quality. You know, you exactly. Because like I was like, oh, I could buy another Sony camera, but I didn't even like the Sony A7 III with the Sony A7S. Like the the 1080 image out of those cameras actually are pretty different. I could just shoot and log, yeah. but I hate and color they, grading they log. They definitely changed their color bias with the A7 III versus the previous mm -hmm. ones too. So you have to do some work. You're not really totally. giving yourself any favors by buying the same brand and that. You have to buy like the same model almost, you know, so. 100%. Yeah, What's so what's your relationship like with Sony? Do you love every single camera? Do you wish like, oh my gosh, why does the, where's the Sony A7S III? I love Sony, but sometimes it's just like when I see the Canon stuff, I'm like, ooh, Sony, wait, you got to pick it up. Like you guys were the ones who did everything that, you know, we asked of you, which I think, again, the new cameras that's coming out, I think we're going to see the start of that again. But I think people are concerned. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess it's the investment in glass or whatever. But if you look at things just from like a, a bystander, it's great that everybody's like pushing back because there was... And it's hard to take anything away from Sony when 
they're they were so far ahead and have done so. And I, I feel like anybody that's caught up, caught up because of the fire that Sony like lit under them, right? So that's awesome, and and I love that. But capitalism. Now that's how capitalism should work. Not like and it's great for us having two you know? phone provide. Yeah, that's when it works. That's great. And uh, so I love that. And some of those cameras that came out in that in that push, like the A7 III, are still like some of the best value cameras yeah. of all time. And I love the A7 III. How can you not? Like mm -hmm. if, uh, up to this point, I would say that all other cameras have done is like matched it. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's really really beat it in terms of everything that it can do. There are some cameras that are better in some ways, but as sort of like just a well anybody that's tried to make a well-rounded camera mm -hmm. has either just has basically just tied the Sony or just said we're not going to have autofocus or something yeah. like like taking something big <laughs> out, right? So exactly. It's still a great system, but again, you know, I want the next one like everybody else, but I'm not part of the like A7S3 you know, meme culture of it or whatever. I think that I want yeah, it to I gave be up a, with it. Yeah, I like, was like, I'm fine. Like when the I was so slow to the A7 III because I was that delusional person. It's like I'm not going to buy the A7 III because the A7S III is going to come yeah. out. You know, I gotta I gotta wait for that. It's been <laughs> like, like two years, hasn't it? Like, like two years. <laughs> yeah, literally, I think like nine months went by, and I was like, oh, I probably need to buy this A7 III, and I love it. It's great. Um, but it's so disappointing when, cause I'm like Sony gang, but black magic GH5, you know, I'm, I'm less, I'm, I'm pretty actually camera agnostic, I think. Um, but whenever Canon creeps up because, you know, I used to use them and then I made the Sony jump. I was, uh, one of those mini people. Whenever Canon news comes out as high as my hopes get, I just don't believe them. Like with this yeah, new, I know what you, mean. you know, I'm like, the what is it r5 why am i blanking yeah. on the name right r5 i'm just like and we know the price point is crazy but i just i don't know if i believe all of it i don't know what do you think of the r5 have you I used the eos r as well i have okay. and i didn't love that camera okay that was an example of one that i thought especially at launch i was like oh it's a worse a7 III. cool yeah. see yeah. ya you know what i mean yeah. like i didn't i didn't care it's like it crops the same as my gh5 the autofocus was poor I was like, I already have a GH5. Why do you want me to buy new lenses? You know, although those lenses are fantastic, and now that they've been adding more to that lineup, that RF lineup is great. So that's another reason to get excited about the R5, right? Yeah. But the specs on the R5 are absurd. They're absolutely absurd. So it's like, there's no way, right? It's like that camera's gonna melt as soon as you use it. I like, think. I think that's what. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way because of the specs. I'm like, there's no way that it's gonna be practical where I could use it for YouTube, but also use it for an hour interview or something. You know, I just, I don't know. That being said though, one thing that Canon has always been good for is that when they do release something, especially when it's like their higher ticket, like sort of pro-ish bodies, usually they're pretty reliable and indestructible. The only mm -hmm. thing is that they, they like handicap certain features but they specifically addressed those in the specs. They were like, 4K, <laughs> uncropped, no, like, with autofocus or whatever. Like, they, they mentioned all the things that the, like, the the, the regular yeah. gags of, like, how Canon, like, eliminates something, yeah. whatever they say, like, in, like internally crippling their cameras so that, you know, well, they don't just cannibalize like when themselves. They, when they had the new 90D and you couldn't record in 24 frames per second in 1080, yeah. Like, what the hell was that, you know? <laughs> exactly. So they, they specifically mentioned it's like it doesn't have those problems. And so if you take that and you think, and Canon, usually they don't melt and they usually last. So then, right. okay, like, did you completely change attitudes to where now you're Sony, where you, like, put right. all this crazy tech in, but it but it's unreliable? Right. Because now Sony's been more and more reliable with every camera they come up, but they're not coming out with new features, right? I know. So I, no, I don't know who's doing what. It's the reverse. It's literally, exactly. that's what happens. That is the cycle because it, it happened with MacBook and PCs. That's exactly right. what happened in 2016 with the MacBook Pro. It started to be the most unreliable computer or laptop out there with the keyboard, with display issues, with the, it and wasn't properly And now they're not doing anything cooling. fancy. They're just making everything work. Exactly. You know? yeah. And now Apple said, okay, we'll chill. And this last previous update, the 2019, super, you know, they didn't do anything out of the box, but they iterated and it's actually a really good machine now. But then the PC laptop world is over here putting like three screens <laughs> on one computer. <laughs> and I'm true. just like, what is this world that we're living in? 
So I don't know which side of that cannon is on. Obviously, the specs are outstanding, but it, I'm I'm I never make videos on like I don't make news or rumor type videos very much. Where it's like I don't ever talk about a product unless it's in my hands. No, totally. I, say, I totally yeah. You know, so um, I like you, we can gab about it, but as far as like, do I have an opinion on it? I'm like, I've read the same things you've read, and I'm like, okay, you know. But I so badly just want to. Even just point it at a wall and press record and just leave it there for like an hour and then come back to it and see what happened. You know, that's all I want to do with the R5. Yeah, yeah. no, one hundred percent. And the the EOS R. Can you explain to me? In you know, you're a little bit more science. I feel like with cameras and me, why? So we have finally a Canon mirrorless camera. Why do the lenses have to literally be almost like bigger? than the e-mount. I don't understand. Like mirrorless cameras should be sleek, thinner. But then you look at that 24 to 70, you look at any of the new lenses and they're starting an entirely new lens line. You would think they would be a little bit more portable. Am I wrong to say that? What's going on? Why? Why do they have to be such big hunks of glass? I feel like somewhere along the line, somebody equated mirrorless with like small and portable and everything. Maybe that was like when it was first trying to make a name for itself. Okay. So is that just not true? So maybe for the body, but not for the glass. But but I mean, like now, you could still do both. You could still make small mirrorless. It really comes down to what you're trying to do. So if you're going for a large sensor, then you're going to be bigger because Micro Four Thirds is still pretty compact for mirrorless, right? But if you're going to go for a large sensor, then that's one thing to consider. And if you want to be able to make really fast lenses, which is they did like that 24 to 70 f2 or whatever, right? Which is like that's like almost like a a brag lens of like look what we're able to make. Well, that's all just a ratio of the elements. So the element of the lens itself has to be wide, and so then the mount has to be wide in order to put it on, right. and then all the pieces okay, of glass are sense. wide, yeah. and then you have to fix the image as it comes in because when you do something really wide it, that can also zoom then you have to have pieces of glass that are there solely just to like correct weird things that happen with the light mm. so then you end up with like a bunch of elements which then makes the lens big and chunky and the price goes up and everything um but you don't have to you don't have to make a 24 to 70 f2 but i guess when you're in your marketing meetings or whatever and you're coming up with the next plan you got to decide are we going to make something that's the, the smallest thing? Are we going to make the fastest thing, the best thing? And I guess there's different mm-hmm. ways that you can go. Mirrorless isn't restricted to just uh, travel or portable or whatever. Apparently, right. you know, you can make big, cra- even Nikon made their, like, that knocked lens that was, like, the, you know, yeah. 0.95. So, like, yeah. we can, you know. Yeah. Really, the only thing that mirrorless says is that your flange distance is short because you don't have a mirror box anymore. Mm-hmm. So the, le- the, the lens is actually closer so I guess it can be smaller that way. But right. really, but that only makes a difference of, yeah, you don't have a mirror box. Outside of right. that, it's up to your imagination what you do. You right. know, so. And with these flange distances, I guess that chain, that when everyone has a mirrorless camera, that's going to make the lens market even, like, basically, I'm used to just adapting everything, right? Yeah. Everyone said, hey, if you have Canon glass, you're good. Right. You can just use a speed booster, an adapter. You can adapt it probably to most modern cameras and you'll be fine. But with everyone going mirrorless and that flange distance changing, is that changing? Will that change how adapting works? Like I won't be able to take the new um, Canon mirrorless lenses and put them on my Sony mirrorless camera with an adapter. Right. There's only like one or two exceptions to that rule where it's like there's a big enough gap between the different mirrorless sizes. I think there's one between Nikon and Sony where you actually can. Oh, but most of the time, most of the time it's only like two or three millimeters. Yeah. Like from Canon to Sony, it's only like two millimeters. So it's just you can't physically make an adapter to right. fit in there. So I'm going to say outside of like an odd exception, it's always going to be, has to be DSLR glass hmm. goes on a mirrorless body. As far as what that means for the market moving forward, I mean, there's always going to be lots of glass out there and people love vintage lenses and stuff like that. But I do think that we're still in a period where they probably will still make like EF lenses. But if we were having this conversation five years from now, I don't know if that would still, if it would be like, why bother just so people can adapt them? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, right, 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 right. who's buying DSLRs then? And can you speak to, because for a while people have associated, okay, mirrorless, let's, it's like, there's more practical things that line up with video, right? With mirrorless, you have an EVF and you can like 
a lot of photographers like the practicality of like an optical viewfinder and it can just there's certain things associated with it is that becoming like can you just speak to that in terms of like photographer or videographer is everyone going mirrorless is that 100 percent where all of these cameras are going like will a dslr camera be new like will a new dslr camera come out in seven years I feel like the only people, I feel like the companies, the ones that are making DSLRs and who's buying them is for professionals that have shot a certain way all along and just want a refresh. But I don't know if there's, but those same professionals, I've actually talked to some who I know, like with Nikon, they always use like the D4, D3, D4, D5, and you know, Nikon makes another one of those. So they're making them for that person. They're not making them for some new consumer to come in and buy a $7,000 DSLR or whatever, right? But those same people are having the inner debate where they go, should I get the new you know, D6 or should I switch over to the mirrorless stuff? So I feel like they're making them just to satisfy, give the, like the 1DX Mark III. I mean, that's, that's, probably, that's gotta be the last one of those, I, I would guess, you know what I mean? For the people that were heavy into the 1DX Mark II, are, are hesitant about jumping over to mirrorless, they have an option. But this might be your last option. And then, you know, I mean, I, I'm just guessing over here, but I don't think it's for anybody new. I think anybody new and anybody who's hobbyist or anybody who's buying a camera for a hybrid purpose or any of those things, which is a huge portion. We just described everybody that isn't shooting birds, right? Um, they're buying mirrorless. They got to be. I, w- I would say so. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know how long or when the full phase out is going to take place. But, I mean, we're definitely on the ramp where it's it's got to be on its It's got to be. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. And I not mean, to mention like just the market for cameras is down so exponentially because of yeah. smartphones. So, you know, that thing that people have to call people, you know? Yeah, I, I heard Smart. about those. I, okay. I don't, I don't yeah, need to yeah. call anybody. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. That's the reason, by the way, that's the reason why I got it for, <laughs> I said I got it around NAB 29, or 2019. It's because I thought this is going to be completely inefficient if I'm trying to post stuff from the floor. It's like, where am I going? I'm going to take a photo. I'm going to go back to the hotel. I'm going to like po- like process yeah. it and then upload it with my computer. Yeah. So I was like, I, pr- I sort of promised my viewers, I was like, I will get a phone and I will uh, like take photos and, and, and post the stuff while I'm there. So I got it as like a coverage device. And that's why I got Android at the time was because I think I got the Pixel 2, which was like the best photo phone you could right, get right. at the time, right? Um, so that's what I got it for. It was my like little coverage thing. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. so funny. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about, and then I'll open up the floor if you want to chat about anything <laughs> is cinema cameras, because there is an internal struggle with me where, I mean, I've always been like, you know, GH5, A7S, A7 III, that's like my sweet spot. You know, I want to be able to shoot 4k, shoot good slow motion, but usually I'm a one man band. So, you know, the idea of a cinema camera is just too much for me. But the more I'm like out and about doing bigger projects, you know, just the, the small ideas of, oh, being able to plug in two XLRs straight into the camera, be able to rig it up, right? Be able to do X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, it kind of does interest me a little bit. I start looking at, but then with Sony, because that's most of the glass that I have, Right. The FS5, even the FS7, I'm like, man, sometimes you're actually losing features once you go up there. You know, like I need auto, like I need reliable autofocus. I need a lot of things that are in these A7Threes that might not even be in a cinema camera. Yeah, I don't think that you can go from what you're doing to an FS5 or 7. Right. I think that that will feel clunky and weird. Right. Plus, I don't love the ergonomics on that either. So you'd probably be like, why did I do this? Yeah, exactly. You know, like when you're like poking at it. Exactly. Like, well, no. And that's, well, that's my question. What, like going forward, who, who are they appealing in that market? Cause I, I really think you could knock it out of the park with like the, the step up from the A7S2, A7 III for people like me, you know, I feel like you could really like do the FS5 well and then get people like me to buy them. But then if you put everything in there that I want, then you're jeopardizing the FS7, right? And no one's going to buy that. So what, like, I don't know, I don't get it. They made the camera. (laughs) They made the camera that put everything in there that sort of made the FS7 pointless, unless you buy it used. What's Uh, that camera? FX9. Well, okay, but that's huge. 
Yeah, so I was going to say, <laughs> they have the cameras that you need and want. They're just big and expensive. Is yeah, this the, what I think, Yeah, because I still need it to be, I need to, I need to be able to handle it, you know? Right. Um, for hours upon whatever. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll j- probably just be stuck over in A73 land for the rest of my life, I guess, right? In Black Magic I mean, land? It depends how much you want to spend, too, though, because, like, the C500 Mark II which is more manageable size-wise, uh, is amazing. That's probably yeah. my favorite camera right now. But it's like 16 grand, I think. So you got to yeah. be like, do I want to spend 16 grand on my camera? Um, well, because that's, that's what I started looking at, and that's what stinks so bad about being so hardcore Sony. But then you start looking at cinema lines, and oh, the C200 Mark II. Like, that looks, you know, the the dual pixel AF and like, it actually looks like a pretty promising camera, but then you get in the nitty gritty of the Kodax, and then on oh, the C200? it doesn't. Yeah, on the C two hundred. Yeah, there's no ten bit. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, that's well, why, why I never w- bought the C two hundred. I'm like, why would I go with a cinema camera if I'm not even getting ten bit? It's so yeah, exactly. This world is so. You could just stay up late at night just thinking about it every every night, just being like, there's no perfect camera. I think that. Maybe for you, maybe the C300 Mark III, which is still in the like coming soon, like it's 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 official and people have had um, review units, oh, okay. but it's not for sale yet, right? Yeah. Still trying to get my mitts on one of those. Huh. Um, but I just had the C500 Mark II, so I feel like I know what Canon's doing this year right. with their cine cameras. So this is basically a Super 35 crop version of the C500 Mark II. Mm. Um, for a significantly cheaper, it's like ten instead of sixteen k. Interesting. Um, but you got like amazing autofocus, um, all the features that you can want. You know, great audio, great video, great yeah. image quality, great dynamic range. Um, it like easy features too, just like face detection. I stand in front of it, it records me, and I'm good to go. It's got right. all that, but it doesn't have any of the weird stuff like no ten bit and stuff. You know, yeah. so does do you think it's gonna have? Um, high frame rate in 4K? It has 4K... I think it has 4K 120. Oh, really? I th- okay. I, I, it's either... No, it, it does, yeah. Because the C500 Mark II has 4K 60. So this one has a smaller sensor and it can read out. I'm, I'm, nice. I would say I'm 90% it's 4K 120, but okay. it's minimum 4K 60 for sure. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Because I... I re- <sighs> okay. I said that was the last thing, but I actually do want to pick your brain on color grading. <laughs> Because the thing with me in the black magic, which is such a, um, the love hate is for some reason I can only get it looking exactly the way I want it in DaVinci Resolve. I don't know why. Well, I mean, yeah, it makes sense, right? Sure. Cause it's in the, it's staying in the family, but for some reason I just, I can't tweak the knobs and premiere the same way that I can in Resolve. And it's just, I can't get it looking the way so i i tried so many things i tried like downloading you know different luts or different camera profile profiles i downloaded something called emotive color and it's a guy who is familiar with the alexa color profile and he basically made a profile for the black magic that has that makes you know your black magic look like the alexa color which is it gets it to a point where then i can color grade it but then it doesn't look like my, my black magic anymore right so i struggle and I, whenever I get f- my hands on footage from a Canon camera, it is so easy to color grade. Yeah, that could just be you. I like people always have the debate of like, oh, these colors are better than those other colors. And I think a lot of time it's just a personal bias. And I mean, yeah. if if it makes your life easy and you like it, then that's you. Then you then you're a Canon. That's just but how I'm, your brain I'm works. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just so used to Sony, and I do like. That's the thing. I can get a certain look out of Sony that I've nailed. And, you know, then maybe again, it just takes years to perfect it that I haven't done with the Blackmagic yet. Because right. I'm basically comparing, like I did a video where I used someone else's footage and they had Canon EOS R log footage. And for some reason, that log footage was just so easy to get a really cool look out of it. And whenever I handle the black magic film it's just so flat and it's just hard yeah it's hard i just got to work with it more i guess you're gonna have to give me a a one-on-one tutorial or something i like if my theory of like some 
some colleges speak to people better. I guess yeah. I like black magic. So I find that even when I just do stupid stuff to it, I'm like, oh, that's good. I don't know. I just kind of like, I like yeah, everything. Yeah. Where conversely, I've had other cameras where people, I, I won't bother making a debate about it. So I won't say any brands, but other uh, cameras where people say like, I love these colors out of it. And I find I can't get, it, I'm like, that doesn't look like me. And I, and I just spend so huh. much time with it until I like pollute something else. Yeah. And then I'm never quite happy with it, you know? But I, I think black magic is one that I like, but I've I've talked to other people, uh, people that you know too, that have the same thing where they where they're just like ah, every yeah. time you know, and I'm pushing back and forth, and I just can't get it to go the way that I want. So I don't know. And those same people I found have also said that they like the look of Canon right at a camera, huh. uh, or like just taking C log and just like doing a couple simple adjustments to it. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think that anything can be changed in anything, and you can make anything look like anything with enough time, but I guess the question is like, do you want to be frustrated and spending your time right. on it? You know, right. where do you want to spend your time? Totally. Yeah, I love, um, I found a great profile. I don't think I've ever publicly said this. So if you guys are dope enough to stick to the very end of the podcast, <laughs> I have found a groove with, on the a7 III, it's PP10 and then it's Cine 4 and then the Pro Gamma or whatever. And then I add a little bit of saturation to it. And for some reason on all of the other Sony cameras, for some reason, when you're, it, it's either the gamma or the black or whatever, where you can select pro. But there's no like pro in any of the other Sony cameras that I found, um, like the RX100, 5, 6, 7, um, and also the A7S and yada, yada, yada. And for some reason, that is just like the perfect look for me. Um, and it frustrates me because I can't, match it with other Sony cameras and it's a Sony profile. <laughs> That's funny. Which camera is this on? Um, it's the a7 III. Oh, really? Yeah, it's where you choose, you know where you choose in between like movie, still, IT7, yeah, so whatever. Yeah. The gamma. There's a pro option. But anyways, anything you want to touch on that we didn't, I mean, I think it was just fun to shoot the shiz about cameras and stuff. Yeah, I think that... Uh, this is what people like to, you know, use me for is an excuse to get nerdier than they're allowed to normally exactly. on their channel. If I have 100%. Gerald on, yeah. then I'll, I'll have to entertain him by talking about these things. It's not that I want to. No, but then you're like, Tell me about cine cameras. <laughs> <laughs> well, cine cameras and, and yeah, I, I just need to find the version of you for laptops now. Because I always see people's eyes glazing over once they ask me about laptop recommendations. I was like, well, what do you need for this? And blah, blah, blah. I could talk forever. But that's recommendations in general, right? Is that people yeah. want, they they want like an answer. And I feel, you probably feel the same way where you can't, in good in good conscience, you can't just like say, oh, you got to buy the MacBook without yeah. knowing what the hell they're going to use oh, it exactly. for, right? Oh, <laughs> like, I just had that. Literally my mom, my mom's friend was buying a new laptop for her son going to college. And she's like, what's the best laptop? And I'm like, bro, you got to <laughs> tell what? me, what is his major? Does he do any type of content creation? Does he want a tablet? Like, does he need game? to write on the computer? Does he game? <laughs> yeah. It was like a whole thing, like spanning two weeks of like emailing back and forth. I, I got to start like a consultation. We can start, you can start a camera consultation. I can start a laptop and it's just an hour of intense. Pay us 50 bucks and we'll tell you. We'll tell you what to buy. At the end, they'll just be like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> just get me the red one. What <sighs> red one? I didn't say anything about that. <laughs> okay, actually, wait, one more question, and then I'll let you go. Yeah. I'm so sorry. The the Godox lights, I've actually yeah. never heard of those before you made a video on them. And I was always thinking that um, aperture lights were like the the more affordable option to all of the, you know, I, I grew up uh, being like, oh, the ones that you want are the Fresnel, blah, 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 or the, um, oh, what are the tubes? The, like, three, uh, Kino Flows, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so those were like my North Stars, but those were so expensive lights. So when, once Aperture came along, I was like, oh, a lot of output, soft light, you know, the great modifiers, and it was the cheaper version. So is Godox like a new kid on the block where they're making even like, more affordable versions of those lights or I've just never heard of them before. What's yeah, their I wouldn't story? Say, I would say similar age actually to Aperture, but they started in different places. Aperture definitely started as like the cheaper option. And now I think that they've kind of occupied more like 
king of the mid-tier and a great value. Right. Because they have stepped, like the 300D Mark II is a premium light. Yeah. And it costs a decent amount of money, mm-hmm. right? It's not like $200 light like all the Aperture stuff was right. before. But uh, Godox or Godox, depending on where you're from, um, uh, they used to make like mostly strobe stuff. So like little flash mm-hmm. units for cameras and and they were a really affordable option for a wireless sync thing. So they had their like X wireless stuff. Gotcha. So you could get like, for like a, a Canon flash would cost you like $600. And a Godox flash would cost you like 150 for like a similar uh-huh. output. And you could sync them all together and you could use them on different systems so you didn't have to sell your Canon stuff if you switched to Nikon. That's where they started around the same time that Aperture did. And then they moved into continuous lights, but they were like really cheap, like, you know, $100 for like an Aperture clone, but it was really noisy and had to plug it into the wall, didn't have batteries, like those kinds of things. But right. they still made those. So this year, they've made a push more to so basically try it. Yeah, and you could argue that they're basically just using all the like headway and R and D that like Aperture's done. That they did <laughs> to to make like a knockoff light at three hundred dollars less. So right. it's still it's like it's in that mid tier pricing, but it's like giving you like ninety ninety five percent of what Aperture does for three hundred dollars less. It becomes the better buy. Aperture's probably still a little bit more like better for color and right. And I can't say in terms of. I do know the Aperture people, and I know that they're great, and their team is great. Yeah, and I love them. I don't know if I if my Godox lights were to fall apart, what I would do, or who I'm supposed to contact, no, or what that process yeah, yeah. is like, right? That's true. It's because you have to think about the longevity of these things that you buy, and like, is there going to be customer service? And uh, in terms of just like, will the innovation continue? Because it's really exciting to, uh, like, Aperture very clearly has a roadmap, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's cool to see that, okay, even if your light doesn't have Wi-Fi capabilities, Hey, this thing is going to come along that you can like add on to it to where it will have Wi-Fi capabilities. That's so, a pretty sweet thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited for that. And I have been obsessed with the little MC lights. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. The RGB ones. They're, I, they're outstanding. Oh my God. The amount of output that I'm getting from, I only had two when I went back to Texas and I filmed every single video with only two MC lights and it lit me perfectly. It's crazy. Wow. When did you get back to New York, by the way? How long were you in Texas for? <coughs> I was there two months and I got back in New York last week, I think. I thought so. so Cause I thought you yeah. were still posting some Texas stuff like a couple yeah. weeks ago, right? So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things where like after I made one video about it and so many people have opinions about things happening during COVID stuff. <clears throat> I was like, I'm not going to talk about personal things anymore, where I am, what I'm doing bringing family into it. I'm just gonna, this is why I started making you, more tech videos. <laughs> did you stay with your family the whole time? Yeah. Well, I did two weeks in like a hotel just because right, we wanted yeah. to make sure that we didn't have it. Did the quarantine thing. Um, but it was then, at yeah, your like parents' house for the rest of the time? A month and a half at my parents' house. How was it, that for John? Was he with you the whole time? Yeah. So it was, it was a lot. <laughs> I think he's still... Like we obviously love my family. We all get along, but... When you're, when there's five people in one house and you're like, my parents, his in-laws, it's like, I understand how that's tough. A month and a half with the in-laws, <laughs> even if they're the greatest in-laws. Exactly. <laughs> it's still a lot, right? So, so yeah, he gets a gold star for that. But um, it was ultimately, it was, it was good. It was just like, it was a lot. I haven't been, I haven't been back home for that long um, since I moved out. So that makes sense. it was a wild ride and I'm glad I'm back. Even if the pandemic is here, <laughs> is alive and well here. <laughs> That's a funny sound bite. I'm like, so what do you think of your parents there? I'm glad to be back even with the pandemic in New York. Okay. Nah, I love them so, love but you, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think people can understand once you like become your own human and then you're oh, back for sure. and it's, I mean, I could, I could probably do that for several months if I like had my own house there, had my own apartment, you know, it's just different when you're like living in the same household with other people that you're not used to living with. So yeah, for sure. But anyways, Gerald, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Yeah. This is a, a lot of fun to chat and, um, where can people find you? Give me one piece of content or YouTube video that you're excited about that they should go directly check out. I'm mostly on Tumblr. So <laughs> <Okay. I> would... <laughs> Tumblr and TikTok. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gerald Undone. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, YouTube, I guess. Like, I am Gerald Undone everywhere, so type that into whatever you like, and then I'll show up. And if it's purple, you probably have the right page. Um, but yeah, YouTube is where I do all my stuff. And uh, I don't know, I guess, like, I, I stay within the topic that we talked about, all that kind of stuff. But I go through phases just like you do. Mm-hmm. Well, your phase has been really long, but yeah. where it's like sometimes... I've been talking I, you know, about I'm, laptops for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, oh, Sarah's just into some new laptops. And it's like, this is like the laptop like connoisseur now uh, but depending on what you're into I don't know subscribe and stick around because I try to mix yeah. it up where it's like this will be like a color video then we'll do a camera then we'll do a weird tutorial or something you know and then but if you're into yeah he did a studio tour so that would be a good video siphon off some yeah. of my audience um there you he go. came to the the peachy HQ and yeah Pretty much, I think that's the only time I've given a proper tour of this space because I keep waiting for it to be perfect. But then it turns out it's never going to be perfect. So that was probably you pretty were a great good timing. Sport about it too. Oh, thank you. It was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was before I, I was so I was busy during that time. It's so funny. I'm like almost. I don't want to say because I don't want to sound bite of like, I'm thankful for the pandemic, but like (laughs) the, (laughs) I don't want to say that because it was real and people are suffering from it, but I am thankful for the little bit of downtime that I have had. I'll say that like animal crossing and it's been a good reset. Cause yeah, I remember when you guys came and shot that, like I had so many videos due like literally the next day too. And I'm like, I got to change some stuff. I got to get more organized. I got to get my life together. And then a pandemic happened. I know what you're saying. So I feel comfortable in saying, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> without without saying like, what do you think of the pandemic? It's great. It's great. It's great. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, hopefully we are on the up and up, right? Um, with everything. And I'm amazed that we were able to steer the conversation so long without mentioning it. So gold stars for us. Um, but yeah, everyone check out Gerald's channel, his socials down in the show notes below. Thank you so much for joining me. And guys, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to That Creative Life. And I also started posting back to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash That Creative Life, where I post the video full episode a week after the audio. So of course, you audio guys are getting all of the juicy stuff. You're the first first people to hear it. Um, but yeah, all those links will be in the show notes below as well. Gerald, thank you for being here. Signing off. Until next time, thanks for listening, guys.